Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called The Line Between Stealing and Being Inspired. Let's get started. This week, a Twitter friend reached out to me and asked this question. Hey, Elvid. Um, Quick question. I wanted to get your thoughts on about building or working on a new project when you're in the research phase. So I'm uh, researching about a problem statement, uh, and there are a couple of other SaaS products out there. And although I have a different take on this, uh, but there are basic features that should exist in this app, which the computers also have. So my question is, when I'm thinking about my own take about this problem statement um, and thinking about reaching feature parity, uh, which is building the same features that the computers have, I kind of feel like a thief of stealing the ideas from computers. Uh, So how do you uh, deal with this? Or do you leave these ideas on the table and work on your own angle or find new features to build? Or just copy and uh, put it out there that uh, you have you're building something which is with feature parity, but you have a different take on something XYZ. Yeah. Thanks, Sankal. This got me thinking. We don't have a clear code of conduct for this in our community. And you often hear phrases like ideas are worth nothing and execution is everything. And they suggest that protecting and hiding away your business ideas is a pointless act of overprotection. But then on the other hand, you also hear people complaining about competitors copying features from their SaaS copying them verbatim, and they often phrase it as if somebody unduly stole something from them. So where's the line? It reminds me of this hilarious you-wouldn't-download-a-car anti-piracy public service announcement from the early 2000s that happened in, in cinemas and all over the place. And back then I was a teenager and I was happily exploring those gray areas of file sharing on dubious websites and IRC bots during those years. But I didn't buy into the argument that I would have purchased the content legally otherwise. As a moneyless teenager, how could I have? So this whole you wouldn't download a car thing was pretty funny to me. And downloading an episode of a TV show felt much different than, I don't know, imaginarily downloading a car because duplicating a digital file didn't do anything to the original file. And I understood this already at that point, like being a, a software enthusiast and a beginner coder and I think that particular feature at its core is equally valid for business ideas. If you get inspired by somebody else's idea, be it for a feature for your SaaS or the whole business or a marketing hack, you don't take anything away from them. At the same time, people who find inspiration in your work won't take anything away from you by using it for their own businesses. And that, of course, is only true if there are no patents or licenses involved. As soon as there's a legal barrier to adopting somebody else's ideas, you better stay away from it. But I want to talk about the legal, but sometimes maybe frowned upon kind of inspiration today and why we might want to stop frowning. Let's start with people outright cloning other people's businesses. That's the most visible act of being inspired. It's also the most controversial one. I certainly think it's the most painful thing for a founder to see. You have built everything yourself, painfully learning all those lessons, and you created a product you're proud of, and somebody comes along and makes a shallow copy. You're outraged. How dare they skip all the hard work and then take only the good stuff for themselves? 
But that is precisely why they will never succeed with their business. They have created a hollow replica of a system they don't even fully understand. Copycat companies spring up every day, and they close a few weeks or months later. They can clone your SaaS, but they can't clone you as the founder. There's no way that they can have access to your experience, your drive, your motivation, your skills, and your understanding of the market you're serving. So the best deal, the best way to deal with those clones is to ignore them. So please don't waste your energy on them. At this point, they'll evaporate by themselves. And this should make it also very clear that you shouldn't clone a full business yourself. It's a futile waste of your time and resources because you're the strongest where all your skills and experiences intersect with a prospective audience and the real problem that you can help solve. Cloning a business is a shot in the dark. It's stealing in its most stupid form, aimlessly, uninformed, and without conviction. And that's where the line is for me. Because anything that's less extensive than a complete clone has a place in business. Do you see a competitor building a feature that customers seem to really enjoy? Get inspired. Integrate things into your business that you've seen working for others. Repackage ideas and concepts into your workflow and benefit from what you've seen work for others. Why, you ask? Because there is no perfect product market fit. No business serves all its customers equally, and that's a good thing. Because every business has a perfect customer persona. The customers that they can serve better than anyone else. But the world is a diverse place. That's why every business also has many non-matching customers looking for a slightly different tool. They're still served well enough by the existing solution. But if they found something better, something that they would be the perfect customer for, they would go for that. Let me share an example here. When I started self-publishing my first book, Zero to Sold, I had no idea how it would get from a manuscript to a finished print-ready PDF layout. So I did some research and found a tool called Scrivener, and that's the go-to tool for authors. I fiddled with the settings, trying to wrangle the software into submission, as one does, but I didn't have a good experience. I just felt like it just wasn't made for me, and I could feel that. It still produced a workable PDF, but it just didn't look right. So I looked for something else, and I found it in Vellum, which is a Mac-only layout tool that produces beautiful ebooks and print-ready files. It was immediately much better than what Scrivener had to offer me, but the more I used Vellum, the more I came to understand that I'm not that perfect customer persona either. Vellum is built for fiction authors, not non-fiction writers like me. Fiction is mostly text and maybe contains a few images and notes, a non-fiction book can include anything from outlines, tables, callouts, and sections that you'd never find in a fiction book. Vellum doesn't provide that. But I it just made do by using text as images as a workaround and just trying to get everything I wanted into the book anyway. So right now, there's no better tool for me out there. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't immediately use a competitor that would be the perfect fit for me. I jump at that opportunity the second it was possible because it would match my needs better than anything else that's out there right now. Now consider that every single person out there feels like this about almost every single product that they're using. You very likely think like that all the time using tools that are good, but not great. And when do we really ever use tools that are really great? And wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody were inspired by other tools in the market and brought the winning features, the stuff that we so desperately need into the solutions that we are using? That's why it's okay to be inspired by other products. 
you're doing your customer a disservice by completely ignoring the things that work for your competition. But of course, blind copying won't get you anywhere. It would be just as aimless as cloning a whole business without understanding the market. So let's look into the potential pitfalls of being inspired. One glaring problem out there is that there might not be enough of a market for a solution that is too similar to another one. At that point, you can barely compete on features because similarity kind of means that you have exactly the same features. So you have to compete on price and that's a race to the bottom. But that's a normal market dynamic. It motivates businesses to differentiate, to cut costs and optimize the churn and retention metrics, which is good for any business out there. So the logical conclusion is to make sure that you're different. Be the one that other businesses want to copy features from. Learn to understand your customers so well that you can't help creating unique features and solutions to their problems. Stay in touch with your audience so much that you are the first to solve fresh challenges with and for the people that you're serving. And then build a brand. Build a brand that cannot be copied, gain the trust of those who use your product, and proudly communicate that difference. A SaaS is more than the sum of its features. It's a business, it has a founder, it has a mission, and it also has an actual product. It's the law of the business world that first movers attract imitators. But neither those first movers nor their imitators are guaranteed to find success in their markets. There's always a chance that the feature you're, ins you're inspired by is just a sign of a passing fad. Just because your competitor is adding QR codes to everything doesn't mean that it'll benefit your customers automatically. It probably isn't even benefiting your competitor's customers. So make sure that you always understand the context of the things you're inspired by. Why do these things exist? Who uses them? For what purpose? Are people actually using them? Or do they just think they're cool? It's fine to be inspired by the features and methods of your competitors. It's actually a good idea to keep an eye on that. Just make sure you'll inspire your customers when you integrate those things into your business. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avid Kahl, A-I-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book Zero to Sold at zerotosold.com and The Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootsofrunner.com. If you want to support me in the Boots of Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.